This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. Good morning. Well, the old year is about over. We started in a new one. As we go into 2005, allow me this morning to uh, share with you some things that are close to my heart, what I'm calling tips for starting a new year. Uh, You'll have a difficult time following in the Bible, so you might just want to jot notes because we'll move quickly through the uh, ten points or ten tips I have. I pray that God would uh, take some of those and uh, help you and help all of us uh, as we try to live the new year in a way that's productive and beneficial for us and the kingdom of God. Uh, first suggestion I have for you uh, is from 1 Corinthians 13. To paraphrase, keep short accounts. Corinthians says, uh, love keeps no record of wrongs. So keep short accounts for this coming year. Some of you knew that when I was about early 20s, uh, I lost a a dear friend of mine in a car accident. Uh, This young man and I, we grew up together, lived together, hung out, spent a lot of time together. And upon his graduation from college, he had taken a position as a uh, teaching in high school and became a, uh, he was actually a football coach. He was going to be running the team, looking forward to that. And and one day, a man who was drunk crossed the double line and took this friend of mine, his life. A number of years had passed since his death, and I was met, saw his mother, whom I knew quite well. I used to stay at her house periodically. And as we talked, it became obvious that this woman was more than just not the same. I mean, you're never, you're never the same when you lose a loved one, especially a child. But she was still bitter at the man who had crossed the center line and taken her son's life. And so I directly asked her, have you ever forgiven this man? And in effect, what she said was, I can't. And, of course, you could see it all over her face. Her life was was nothing. She was withered away, eaten alive by this bitterness that she still held from the injustice that was done to her son. Did you read the uh, morning paper? Uh, There's an article on there uh, on the subject of forgiving, of steps toward forgiveness. And uh, you might want to read it. It was front page of one of the sections. Uh, And there's a man named Everett. Worthington, executive director for Campaign for Forgiveness Research. He suggests five ways, uh, to, five steps toward forgiving others. I'll just briefly uh, touch them. Uh, he uses the analogy REACH, or the acronym REACH, R-E-A-C-H-R, uh, recalling the hurt but not getting uh, mired in negativity. E, empathizing with the offender, the one who's wrong with you, wronged you. 
A, altruistic gift of forgiving. That basically is selfless uh, or unselfish forgiving. Not forgiving just because you are going to feel the benefits of forgiving, but forgiving because it's the highest thing you can do. It's the right thing to do. It's the noble thing to do. That's A, altruistic gift of forgiving. Uh, C, committing publicly to forgiving. Even if it's just a small public, even if it's just writing down the words, I forgive him, I forgive you. And then C, H, or H, I'm sorry, H, holding on to forgiveness. When we see the offender and we feel negative, we feel troubled still, remember we are holding to our commitment to forgive. And the forgiveness still is binding to them. So, first tip is, Remember to keep your accounts short. I've said often that uh, the Lord's Prayer is a dangerous prayer to pray, especially when you get to that part. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's translated, "Forgive, Lord, forgive me the way I forgive others. That's dangerous if you aren't letting go. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Second tip for entering the new year may help us uh, get good at apologizing quicker. Here now, you are the problem, not the other person, but you've done the offense. Uh, To use the, uh, the words from Matthew 5, settle matters quickly with your adversary. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. You know, we need good role models. And some of you are good role models. And there are... There are people in society who are looking for role models, people uh, who work hard. Especially in this day and age, we need hard workers. We're a society of pleasure. Uh, We need people who are honest, people of integrity, people who are responsible. But you know what else we need? We need role models who, when they blow it, because we're not perfect, as soon as we mess up, we need role models who who apologize quickly. You know, there's a right way, there's a good way uh, to do correction in your life. I mean, to make things right. And that is to, as soon as it comes to mind, you know, hey, I've lost my temper, I blew it. Don't just wait a week or was convenient to apologize or to call or to put back what you've taken. Just do it quickly and get, get faster. The older you get in Christ, get faster at making your apologies sooner. Quick to repent, quick to restore, quick to put right what you've undone. And we're all going to undo things, even if it's a simple omission that we've broken an appointment. And you know what I do personally, and in recent years I've started putting a a little phrase, you might want to use it sometime, maybe not, but I just, from time to time you may, may hear me tell you, I'm sorry, I blew it, I have no excuse. No excuse, because I find occasionally what I'll do is say, well, you know, I've been a little not feeling all that good lately, or my life's been a little complicated, and I start adding all these little things on the end of my apology, and it ends up being no apology at all. It's just an explanation to, to let me off the hook. So sometimes you just might want to say, hey, you know, I was wrong, period. I'm sorry. End of words. Thirdly, uh, listen more and talk less. 
Listen more and talk less. As James says in 119, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak. I think for most groups this is uh, important. Some of you need to talk more. There are a few of you who need to talk more. You really do. But most of you need to talk less. And I hope you don't take it personally. But, you know, you get into a small group, and any group, you know, you could be meeting anywhere. And, it's, and I think on, in any group of people. And so you've got ten people in the, the one group. Only one person can talk at a time. The other nine can listen. That's just the way it is. And all ten of you have something important to say. Your world is important. Your thoughts are important. But we all just cannot talk. Someone has said rightly, you know, observe that God has given us two ears and one mouth. And we need to basically listen more. I'll give you a few quick suggestions how I came across from Cecil Osborne in The Art of Getting Along with People. How to listen better. And he suggests listening is not passive, it's active. And here's some things he suggests. Don't grab the conversation. Yes, now take me, for instance. The next thing you know, you're on the platform and you're giving the, the speech, you know. And he says, don't let your eyes wander for too long. You know, in other words, except for a moment. When someone's talking, you basically want to look at him in the eye. Occasionally you might want to drift, but don't be long. Uh, validate the feelings of the other person. Yes, I see what you mean. I got it. I understand. Uh, don't interrupt. He says, don't try to top the other person's story. Oh, you think that was good? Well, you hear this. And then you're off. And I guess there's a time and place for that, but we're talking about becoming better listeners. He says, don't criticize. Uh, ask appropriate questions like, uh, what happened then? Tell me more about it. How did you feel? And then he says, don't argue. Well, some tips for better listening, as James says, be quick to listen. And of course, uh, talk less. Presbytery meetings, they're about once every three months. So the ministers come together, and you know, we ministers don't have a hard time finding something to say on the, you know, we could pray for ten minutes and drop of a penny, and it would just go on. But, you know, there's one man who's no longer in our presbytery, and He's probably retired age now. But on a typical eight-hour Presbytery meeting, he might talk maximum three times. And out of 125 men on a typical meeting, he would probably know more than any of them. So here you've got the wisest man, the most knowledgeable man, the most intelligent, the most widely read man of all of them. And I'm saying to myself, he hasn't opened his mouth the whole meeting. And we've been here eight hours. And so one time he opens it. You know what? Everybody listens. Because he only speaks when it was necessary. He only spoke when he really, truly had something significant to, to contribute. And I guess he assumed that he figures the rest of us are pretty smart. We'll all get there some, the answer some one way or another without his help. So listen more, talk less as you go into the new year. Fourthly, pray first, take action second. Pray first, take action second. Particularly as you go into, if you're going to do anything of substance, I think it's true on any level, but you know, if you're going to take on a major responsibility, for example, 
Uh, like the Israelites, they were told not to enter into any contracts, any peace treaties with the people. You know, in Joshua chapter 9, you can read the story. What did they do? It, it says they did not inquire of the Lord. Of course, then they had the Urim and Thummim, which was a very mysterious thing where they could have special insight into God's will. Uh, yes or no. And it says they failed uh, to inquire of the Lord, Joshua 9.14. And of course, they got in a very cumbersome situation uh, with the Gibeonites. And, you know, uh, you can pray first and act second, or you can act first and pray second, you know. But if you do it that order, the second order, you may be praying to fix things or undo some things, you know. It's better if we can just be proactive, really. Uh, I, I like to regard uh, praying first as, uh, as like a snowplow. I mean, and if you get some snow on the ground, you can just jump in your four-wheel drive and say, man, I can just go anywhere in this baby, you know. Or you can pray before you jump in that four-wheel drive, you know. Because, you know, I believe the prayers that go ahead of us can, can plow open a smoother, clearer road for us as we come along behind and take our actions. I think in the end we're going to find out a whole lot more is going to get accomplished and a whole lot of life is going to be a little less complicated. Not that it isn't complicated just in general, uh, but uh, we won't have to make complicated what can be a bit more simple. So, suggest that you pray first and act second as you go into the new year. Uh, and then, uh, fifthly, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. In Second Peter 3.18, uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You look in the Bible, you'll see all kinds of things about growing, maturing, uh, being fruitful, productive, uh, being self-sustaining, and the whole idea of maturity and uh, growing up. And I would say if some of you, it's going to be different for you at the new year, but you know, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to, to get a little stale. Some of you would probably do good to go to the gym. Just go to the gym. Uh, some of you would be good to get, you need to read a book or two this year. Because, you know, your mind, you've kind, of, you've kind of let down on your mind. You're just kind of like plodding along. But you need to challenge yourself. And maybe in a given area. Parenting, perhaps, or being a better student. Uh, maybe just to need to read on how to rest. Some of you don't know how to rest. Maybe you need to read a book or a, an article on getting rest. Because you're not doing good in that area. So you need to stretch yourself. Uh, and, you know, we're all going to do something a little different. Uh, Paul told Timothy in one of his letters, is uh, fanning the coals in effect. You know, the gift that he's been given. To fan it into a flame. Some of you need to do something in the area of skills, like take private music lessons. Because you have some ability there. But you're just kind of like letting it sit, you know. Of course, God's going to have to give you the dream and the vision and and a passion that you have, and then you've got to commit and stretch yourself in that area uh, that you're going to, to move forward by the grace of God. And so, you know, I believe in the education principle. That that's why I'm glad Bethany uh, introduces some new songs. Not too many at once, because you can't do too much in any area, you know, but we like we learn some new songs, and we're not just singing, you know, Amazing Grace, the only song we know for the end of our lives, or just the ones in the hymnal. But And, and that goes true for any area, the educative principle. That we need to be to be growing and, and expanding, and, and watch what God does as He grows up some wonderful 
uh, dreams and visions that you may have. If I'm saying, I challenge you to commit to something new and fresh and something that will enlarge your world uh, in the world of Christ in you uh, in, in a bigger and a positive way. Uh, so sixthly, uh, I would say uh, a tip would be to, and you've heard it before, but to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Sometimes we think the gospel is only for uh, people to, to be introduced to Christ. And once they come to Christ, and that's it. You know, friends, it's, it's the same gospel that brought you to Christ. It's the same gospel that's going to keep you staying vital and alive as you see the depth of Christ. You know, every day you need to refresh yourself in Christ's forgiveness. Every day you need to remember that He embraces you. Sometimes we, we, you know, we go on, we'll go six or seven days and we're just going on do, busy and doing things and, we, and next thing you know we're like in a big knot and we can't figure out why. We're all tied up in problems and, and worries and, and it's because we haven't refreshed ourselves in the grace of God. And He has a wonderful grace for you that you can draw upon to face the, the trials and the challenges of each new day. So get better at Preaching uh, Christ to yourself, which basically means you need to think about Him regularly, uh, every day, and, and how kind He is to you. Uh, he wants you to come to Him uh, every day. Seek Him with your burdens, and, and you'll find a fresh view of Christ and His gospel. It'll keep you uh, more exuberant uh, in this new year. Seventhly, for entering the new year, I suggest that uh, each month, do something good uh, that nobody knows about except you and God. Do something good for someone or a neighbor, friend, stranger uh, that nobody knows about. Matthew 6 says, uh, verse 3, When you give to the needy, for example, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, there are many people who won't give anything unless their name is put on a brick. You see, then they might give. If you put my name on that brick, they're not going to stay it that way, of course. I'll give something. You know, if you, you know, put my name, you write me a letter of thanks, or if you and we're not start talking about money. We're talking about give of your time. You know, to, to some organization or to some, some friend. Who cares if they pay you back? It doesn't make any difference if you get a thank you note or your name's in the bulletin. It's irrelevant from the point of giving. It may not be irrelevant. Somebody may indeed owe you a thank you. That's not irrelevant. But whether you get it or not is what I'm talking about. Are you willing to give quietly? And some of you are. You're good at it. And you know. In fact, it bothers you when something, you don't know how to receive a thank you well. <laughs> because you, you have learned so well to give quietly. But it's a great attribute to have. Is to give secretly. And I say, do something big or even little that you want to try to get away with something. See if I can get away with this. Blessing someone without anybody knowing. Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. 
God loves a cheerful giver, especially those who quietly give. And then number eight tip, uh, when you give, open your hands wide. Open your hands wide. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers, toward the poor and needy in your land. You know, one of the good things I like about our church, there's a lot I like, but I especially like when we do, for example, we do Bach to Rock, and the session says, we're not collecting any money. We are not going to put a box out there or a jar or people can even give donations. We don't want to even create the hint that we're throwing this for money. Or when we do living nativity. And we don't charge. You know, we got to pay to get those animals. But we don't want the community paying. You know, it's, it's a gift. It's one way that we can bless them with the gospel of Christ and not ask anything from them. And let them have some cookies, some hot tea and chocolate or whatever. You know, when we have Bible schools, we don't charge for materials. I'm sure it's appropriate in certain occasions to charge. But I hope that in many ways, when we give, we just want to give freely and openly. And not just in a very stingy way. Or even a a half blessing. Oh, I want to bless them, but I'm only going to bless them halfway. You know what I mean? And, and the symbol is an open hand. And I pray that we'll grow and open our hands wide to the people around us. Because you know what? The wonderful thing happens when, when people see others who have had their hands open wide. Uh, they begin to see the heart of Jesus and glorify our Father in heaven. Isn't that what it's about at the end of Matthew? And they see our good works. Of course, we're not displaying them, but hopefully the word gets out indirectly somehow and they find out that, hey, this has something to do with Jesus working in this person's life or this community's life, this church's life. You know, he's been blessing us in a big way. And they want to be a blessing uh, to the world around them, like the English, free English classes we offer here. It's wonderful that we can just give the, uh, the kindness of Christ to the community through free English classes. So, in the new year, open your hands wide. And then number nine, celebrate more often. Celebrate more often. Scripture says, give thanks for the Lord is good. You know, I think we're good at uh, petitioning. No problem thinking about what I need. What needs to be fixed, right? You don't have to look far. You walk through the house, there it is, you know. Got to fix that door hinge. You know, this could use a little painting. Walk over here. It'd be nice to have an upgraded dishwasher. You know, we're walking through the house and you could find all things. You could spend years working around out of house, trying to get everything in order, you know. Well, you start looking around relationships. What do you could say? You could spend years, you know, working on that marriage, you know, working on getting those better kids. Working on mom and dad, trying to get them to move in, in a different situation, be better. You know, there's much to fix, much to improve. But I say this year, I want you to celebrate more. I think God wants you to celebrate more. I begin to pray that God opens your eyes to all the good that's going on, you know. And then one day you say, well, the kid's got a couple of good grades. You know what we're going to do? We're going to a ball game. Why are we doing that? Because you've got good grades. Uh, we're going out for, and spend an hour and having coffee. Why are you doing that? Well, you know, 
I just realized we don't have a mortgage payment anymore. And I, that was why well, you paid it off four years ago. Yeah, but I just thought about it today. I've never celebrated it. I've never celebrated, you know. So this, and we're just going to celebrate and, and begin to do stuff that where you and sometimes your celebration may be just a thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, it's wonderful. We were at a wrestling match the other day. My wife pumped me in the ribs and said, it doesn't get any better than this. And what she meant by that was simply, it's a joyous moment, you know. One of our kids is doing well. He's healthy. We're having fun, you know. We're living life as a family. You know, our other kids are there and stuff. And, um, appreciating the moment. There's so much not to appreciate. Like I say, so much needs to be upgraded and improved. But you know, don't let that spoil our joy and our celebration. Celebrate more often. Find creative ways to do it, too. I'd like to see us as a congregation, really, this thing, whole idea, begin to take hold in a big way where people would walk in and say, these people are happy. Why are they happy? They got so many bills. Half of their people were dying. The truth is, we're all dying. You know, and they're looking out over us and they begin to discover, hey, they got problems like the rest of us. Why are they so enthusiastic about life? They've learned to celebrate. We got a big Savior. Count your blessings, as the old hymn says. Uh, count them, name them one by one. Uh, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count them, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. It's a much richer hymn than that. But. And then finally, number 10, expect the good. As you go into 2005, expect the good. I didn't say expect everything to be good or to appear good or to even feel good. But expect the good. And I think we have a promise in Romans 8.28. God works everything together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You're called by God. God works everything together for good for those who love Him. Do you love God? I'm not saying you're perfectly, right? Perfectly loving Him, but I mean that's that's where your heart is. It's toward God and Christ. And you should expect in 2005 that God is working for good in all the circumstances in your life, in your in your job. You know, maybe you have a new job or an old job. Maybe you have no job, but God is working for good in that situation. Some of you are in your retirement years, and you know you think. You're getting old. You can't do what you like. But you know what? God's working for good in your situation. Some wonderful things are going to happen in this year, 2005. But I want you to expect the good. To expect that somehow God's going to bless you. And you know what? You're going to be a blessing to your grandchildren, to your brothers, to your neighbors. You're going to be a blessing to the people. And many of you are blessing me in many ways. And, and in the relationships with one another... We're going to bless our communities. You're going to bless uh, the people you contact. But I want you to believe that as you come into contact, living out your life these next 365 days, it's not a leap year, is it? No. Okay. That, that it's, uh, it's really going to, you're going to be touched by the blessing of God. And that blessing is going to spill over to the people around you. After all, didn't God say, and i leave you with this final verse uh, in Romans 8, if God did not spare His own Son... Listen, if God did not spare His own Son, will He not also, along with Him, along with Christ, freely give us 
whatever we need in this world and in the world to come. Hope you have a wonderful, happy new year. Lord, as we take these tips to heart, I pray you use some of them to enrich our lives, to enrich the kingdom of God. We thank you for your son's sacrifice for us. Uh, may indeed we be blessed greatly this new year, even as we've been blessed many ways this closing year. And may we be a blessing to the world around us for the extension of Christ's eternal kingdom, we pray. Amen. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.